love a good cigar? I do. That's why I love my Patriot cigars. These are the highest quality long-leaf Nicaraguan tobacco cigars, and believe me, the price is right. So go to MyPatriotCigars.com and use promo code STONE for 25% off. Free shipping on orders over $100. Go to MyPatriotCigars.com and use promo code STONE. Premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone. And yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. Yesterday, uh, there was reaffirming news in which two independent journalists, uh, Mike Schellenberg and Matt Taibbi, broke a story confirming with further detail that the Central Intelligence Agency reached out to foreign intelligence agencies in the five English-speaking nations to ask them to conduct surveillance on 26 individuals who were related to or advising presidential candidate Donald Trump. This was before the Steele dossier was utilized uh, by the Justice Department under Barack Obama as the rationale for the opening of the crossfire hurricane investigation, uh, and as well as uh, to rationalize the appointment of Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Now, the Department of Justice and the FBI knew that the Steele dossier was a fraud, uh, but this uh, takes the origins of the Russian collusion hoax much earlier than previously thought. Now, my friend Judge Andrew Napolitano reported this for Fox in 2017, for which he was widely ostracized. He is now, of course, completely exonerated. Uh, let's take a look at Mike Schellenberger last night. Uh, with uh, Jesse Waters breaking this down. The CIA targeted Trump and started the entire Russia hoax. For years, we were told that tips from an Australian diplomat tipped off the FBI after a random conversation with Papadopoulos, a no-name 20-something. But according to new reporting by Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi, the whole thing was a CIA setup. Former CIA director John Brennan identified 26 Trump associates to be targeted by the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance. And then those interactions were the targets and were targeted by the FBI as suspicious. And that's how the FBI launched the Russia collusion hoax. The details of this entire operation have been stored in a top secret binder in a secret room in Washington. Trump ordered the whole thing declassified. And now the rumor is that the binder might be missing. 
Joining me now, one of the reporters who broke the story, Michael Schellenberger. Michael, explain how this all started with the CIA picking these 26 Trump people. Yeah, good to be with you, Jesse. Well, obviously, this is an extremely serious story and serious allegation by multiple credible sources that Public and Racket, that's Matt Tybee's uh, publication, have spoken to. These are people that are close to the House intelligence investigation of how the Russia collusion hoax began. The story, as you mentioned, was that, oh, we were just informed by foreign intelligence about this. Our sources tell us a very different story, which is that this was initiated by the U.S. government. It came from within the U.S. government's intelligence community, including the CIA, that they asked the so-called Five Eyes Nations intelligence agencies, that's the other English-speaking nations, including Britain and Australia, to spy on 26 Trump associates, or at least they had a list of the 26 associates that were identified. This is new information. Some people have theorized about this and speculated about it. Uh, we feel very confident that our sources were in a position to know and are very credible in this report. And it's obviously a very serious allegation because this is illegal spying and it's illegal election interference. Okay, so you're reporting that the CIA got these allies to bump these 26 Trump associates, create interactions, and then call these interactions suspicious and let the FBI know they were suspicious. And that starts the whole thing. What about this binder that encapsulates this whole thing? And no one knows where it is right now, or Trump has it. What's that? Well, Jesse, we'll have a piece tomorrow that is specifically about the binder. But uh, as a friend of, uh, of the show and of yours on this, I'll say that there has been widespread speculation that this binder was the was the reason or a reason for the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. And we'll be discussing that tomorrow. But obviously, if this binder contains what we have been told that it contains, which may include raw intelligence, information showing that the U.S. government, the CIA and the intelligence community of the U.S. government initiated the Russia collusion hoax, that it did not occur in the way that the official story, including the Durham investigation, had portrayed it, then that's extremely serious information. And it may be if the FBI then went to go get it in order to continue the cover up of this information, that obviously adds an even more dramatic wrinkle to this. Again, we'll have more to say about it tomorrow, but this is a huge, huge story. I mean, I can't, I've been thinking about it in the history of the United States of America. Have we ever had something like this where the intelligence community was weaponized against a political candidate? And, weapon, and using our foreign allies to do it, I, I can't think of a more important or dramatic story. Yeah, and then going to great lengths by using FBI raids to cover it up. That's just an absolute incredible development. Great reporting to you and to Matt, and we look forward to your report tomorrow. Thank you so much. Well, folks, of course, I was actually not surprised to learn that I myself was among the 26 Trump associates targeted by John Brennan and the CIA. Let's listen to Dan Bongino. I'm going to tell you something now I've never said publicly, except on my podcast earlier. I'm going to say on the air for the first time. My source early on in this case that blew the whole Spygate case open for me had already told me this, that there was a network of people both connected to Trump and loosely connected to Trump 
who were targets of a global spying operation being run by Brennan and others. I'm going to read the list of names for the first time. I say I read this piece from Schellenberger about the 26 Trump associates because my list is closer. I think it's 28, and there's actually another one on there that I'll get to in a second. Here's the list of people I'm going to announce here for the first time that my source told me were targets. Some of the names might surprise you. Number one, Ted Cruz. Huh. Donald Trump, Ben Carson, Don Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, Lara Trump, Melania Trump, Jared Kushner, Jason Miller, David Bossy, Sam Clovis, Paul Manafort, Jason Johnson, Carter Page, George Papadopoulos, Alice Stewart, who may be hearing this for the first time, Victoria Coates, who I'm pretty sure is hearing this for the first time, Christopher Bourne, Jason Osborne, Chris Christie, Don McGahn, Michael Cohen, Mike Flynn, Alexander Jones, Jeff Sessions, Rudolph Giuliani, and Roger Stone. Well, there you have it, folks. This is uh, not a surprise to me because, indeed, I was bumped uh, by these folks. Uh, I was uh, approached by a left-wing muckraking outlet called The Smoking Gun to ask me about direct mail uh pardon me, a direct message Twitter exchange uh, that I had with the persona of Guccifer 2.0. I went back and looked at that. It was innocuous. In fact, it took place three months after Guccifer 2.0 had publicly claimed that he was responsible for the hack of the Democratic National Committee. Uh, I myself made the entire exchange public. Uh, but the government would later claim that that was a contact with the GRU. Whether Guccifer 2.0 is indeed uh, a GRU asset, I seriously question. He was using software registered to an employee of the Democratic National Committee. Then uh, on November 20th, 2017, that's the, the day of Donald Trump's actual inauguration, this story appeared on the front page of the New York Times. Uh, it claimed uh, that I was one of three Trump associates uh, targeted uh, in a, uh, for surveillance for my communications with Russia. Of course, I have no such communications. The media has consistently uh, tried to spin the entire idea that Donald Trump was being spied on as a falsehood, uh, even though essentially John Brennan, uh, pardon me, John Durham, proved it uh, in his special report. Here's Donald Trump and Leslie Stahl. Was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my no, campaign, There's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. And we can't put on things we can't no, verify. No, you won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on you. things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify that. It's been that. totally verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie. Uh, th there you have it. Donald Trump, absolutely right. Leslie Stahl, uh, yesterday's news, completely wrong.
the real point here, I guess, is that the bad actor here is John Brennan. He is the man who dreamed up the Russian collusion hoax. Uh, and I would argue that, well, his crimes amount to treason. Uh, when I put up a graphic to that extent, the judge in my case wanted to throw me uh, in jail. Joining me now to talk about this uh, and uh, some other major political developments, uh, my associate and co-host, Troy Smith of Launching Liberty, who joins us uh, in the Stone Zone now. Roger, thanks for being here. And it's just, uh, it's historical news because this Obamagate, as you've said over and over again, is it makes Watergate look like nothing. And as this continues to unravel, we're seeing more and more and more evidence of spying against you. And it's just, I mean, what are you sitting here thinking this morning about this? Because it's just unbelievable. We continue to learn the assault that's gone on and, and these people have really tried to destroy you in every way they possibly can. I mean, how does that feel to be in that situation? Well, first of all, I feel blessed because I have the protection of Jesus Christ. Uh, but in retrospect, even I'm still piecing it all together. Uh, it is absolutely clear that I was set up. I wondered, of course, how the smoking gun, this left-wing muckraking outlet, could possibly have gotten my private uh, direct messages from Twitter. But I guess with the Twitter files revelations and the fact that we now know Twitter was working directly with Homeland Security and the FBI, we know exactly how they obtained those innocuous communications, which were, of course, spun into something they were not. On the day after I was pardoned, Robert Mueller had an op-ed piece in the Washington Post in which he said Stone is a convicted felon and always will be. He was in contact with Russian intelligence agents with an S. I wasn't even in touch with one. Lucifer 2.0 is a creation of the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, Rob, we do know from the special report of special counsel John Durham that this entire plot was born in a White House meeting in which Barack Obama and Joe Biden, as well as National Security Advisor Susan Rice, CIA Director John Brennan, the uh, Islamic Muslim convert, uh, and uh, FBI Director James Comey, among others, were present. That is a criminal conspiracy. They used the full authority of the United States government plus the capabilities of our intelligence agencies, as well as the capability of foreign intelligence agencies. You see, the reason they did that was so that Brennan could testify before Congress, say, oh, no, that we, we didn't do it. We, we have no idea what you're talking about. This is a, a very, very old trick. Uh, when FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover wanted to know what Vice President Richard Nixon was doing in Hong Kong, during Nixon's wilderness years out of office, he contacted the British Intelligence Service, which put surveillance on the former vice president. This gives the U.S. intelligence agencies deniability. Uh, the real question is, will anyone ever be prosecuted uh, for any of these uh, egregious, egregious crimes? Well, and you can best believe, Roger, that if Trump was in office and he had ordered the wiretapping of Biden's Delaware home or he had, you know, overseen a Justice Department that kicked down Biden's house, uh, you know, the door to his house. I mean, we would be seeing, you know, we would have charges. And, and, and that's what's interesting to me, Roger. We, we're sitting here in a situation where uh, the Democrats have kind of 
taken off the gloves and they've said, okay, uh, a president can be charged for things that happen uh, during the presidency. If that's the case, then we need to see charges against Barack Obama. We need to see charges against Joe Biden. We need to see charges against Comey and Brennan and the rest of these people that orchestrated possibly uh, the greatest and, and, and most overt political um, uh, operation uh, to, to spy on their opponents. I mean, this is the most uh, f- flagrant abuse of power, I think, that I've ever seen, Roger, and I'm interested. Have you ever seen anything like this revealed? And and keep in mind, folks, this is not mainstream media news. They haven't even picked up on this for the most part, Roger. I, I haven't heard anything about this. This is, without any question, the single greatest dirty trick in American politics. And then there's the question of the binder, the binder that proves all of this. I'm going to be very interesting to see the Taibbi Schellenberger piece today because there is much speculation that the binder, which Donald Trump ordered to be declassified before leaving office, but which clearly was not declassified, otherwise we'd have read about it, may in fact be the documents uh, that were taken to Mar-a-Lago that Special Counsel Jack Smith is now fighting in court to keep sealed. God forbid the American people actually know what happened. Now, that is speculation. Uh, but if the documents are were not taken to Mar-a-Lago, well, then where are they? Where is the documentary proof uh, of the New York Post story? Uh, where is the documentary proof of the Taibbi Schellenberger report? Uh, we're going to be following this story very, very closely. Uh, there are major developments, of course, in the tsunami of lawfare against Donald Trump. Trump uh, is headed to New York, where Friday there will be a a verdict by Judge Engeron in the so-called valuations case. There's no suspense about this. Trump was guilty before he was charged. Uh, It's interesting that no one has ever been charged under this New York state law previously, largely because, well, there is no victim. Donald Trump borrowed a very substantial amount of money And while he provided his own valuation of his assets, uh, they were done so with a disclaimer letter, uh, urging the banks to conduct their own due diligence. They, of course, did. They lent him the money. They were paid back in full, making a handsome interest rate. So what is the crime here? Oh, it's the crime of being Donald Trump. Uh, Frankly, I think this case very much like the E. Jean Carroll case, uh, in which E. Jean Carroll falsely claimed that Trump had raped her uh, in the dressing room of a posh New York department store. She couldn't remember the exact date or time, uh, but she remembers what dress she was wearing, except for it turns out to be a dress not made in that decade. Uh, These two cases, I think, have backfired badly uh, against those who were hoping that they would further blacken Trump's name. That's because no American can realistically look at these proceedings and think that they are fair or reasonable. Uh, And then you have the Georgia case. Uh, Troy, you have a report on that. Big hearing today for uh, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Wills. She was elected, by the way, saying she would clean up the office because she accused the previous incumbent, a Democrat, of course, of having sex with employees 
uh, in the in the district attorney's office. But recent developments seem to indicate that that's, among other things, exactly what Fannie herself has done. Fill us in here. Oh, Roger, it's it's really a shocking development because we've been talking about this for a while now and it's starting to gain traction. And today, uh, Fannie Wills is actually a, a appearing in court um, and, and, and we have uh, notes from the judge uh, over this last week that kind of point towards the idea that she is going to be disqualified um, from this case because of her relationship with Nathan Wade. Now, this ties in with evidence that's going to be presented today uh, by Michael Roman, who's a co-defendant of uh, President Trump there in Georgia. But uh, I just want to read the statement that we have on uh, LaunchLiberty.com from the judge uh, from Monday. And it's, it's very interesting. He says, I think it's clear that our disqualification or that disqualification can occur if evidence is produced demonstrating an actual conflict or the appearance of one. The state has admitted a relationship existed. And so what remains to be proven is the existence and extent of any financial benefit, again, if there even was one. And so because I think it's possible that the facts alleged by the defendant could result in disqualification, I think an evidentiary hearing must occur to establish the record on all of those core allegations. Now, one of the allegations that was made, Roger, that we discussed on this show was that Willis was taking vacations with Wade. Now, this was proven. We had the I mean, you know, it's 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 public evidence. It's public. And, and this is only going to come out and, and it's going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And now, because of this case, we're going to learn more about the relationship between Wade and Willis. And there even is a possibility uh, that that Willis will be forced to testify herself. So uh, we're going to learn a lot about this case today and in the coming days. Um, but the idea that Willis, who's kind of been propped up by the mainstream media, some kind of folk hero for taking on Trump, as you point out, made her career accusing people of sexual misconduct, and now she's guilty of it, or she's presumed guilty of it herself. I think it's, uh, I think it's a disgrace, and I think it shows that there are a lot of questions surrounding many of these cases. Um, we've seen some traction here in Georgia. I'd like to see traction in other places with Judge Engeron and others um, who, who I think have a lot of questionable activities going on around them. It's, it's no coincidence, Roger. I'm interested to hear your take on that too, because um, it appears like every case here has some kind of slant or some kind of angle by which uh, there's there's corruption and, and 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 I'd be interested to hear if you think that this case is you know she's going to be disqualified from this. Well, there's a, as you point out, there's a number of factors here. First of all, uh, Nathaniel Wade is a personal injury attorney. He's never prosecuted a complicated RICO case, so the question of his qualifications are really up in the air. The office actually does have a prosecutor. Uh, with extensive experience in RICO prosecutions. But unfortunately for that fellow, well, he's white. So he didn't get the assignment. Uh, Fannie Wills appears to have paid her lover, Nathan Wade, $645,000 at least. Uh, but that money came, uh, it is alleged, uh, from COVID funds uh, in a circuitous manner in which Fannie did not have to get the approval uh, of the Fulton County Commissioners. The real question here today is, uh, even though she may get disqualified from this case, uh, Mike Roman, who I, by the way, don't know, but hear very good things about as a political operative, uh, who uncovered uh, this uh, inappropriate relationship uh, and, the, uh, and the financial connections uh, between Willis uh, and Wade, 
in which Willis paid Wade, and Wade then took her on uh, lavish uh, vacations to the Caribbean, uh, five-star resorts, uh, and so on, uh, he has made a motion for the dismissal of all charges. I have a feeling that that will probably not be granted. Uh, so it is possible uh, that Fonnie Wills gets kicked as the prosecutor, but the case uh, moves forward uh, with a different prosecutor. Now, there are, as I have pointed out here, multiple other cases uh, where we have had um, uh, a question of the underlying premise of Fannie Will's indictment. That premise would be Trump lost Georgia. He knew he lost Georgia. He plotted with others uh, to uh, see uh, or recognize a slate of electors despite his knowledge that he lost. Uh, Trump continues to contend to this day that he did not lose. There are There is pending litigation, both federal litigation and state litigation, uh, seeking an examination of ballots in Fulton County, which the county has resisted, uh, and uh, serious questions uh, about the integrity of the voting machines. Uh, that's a case uh, before Judge Totenberg, uh, a Democrat appointment, but who has allowed discovery to go forward. So the underlying premise of the indictment against Trump in Fulton County could yet fall apart. Uh, all right. So uh, I'm going to go to a quick commercial break here. And when we come back, uh, Raj Dorasami from Defend Florida is going to join us. Uh, Raj uh, is raising the very important issue of whether so-called election reforms in the state of Florida and in other states signed into law, uh, passed by Republicans and signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis, in fact, are designed to make our elections more opaque, to make voter theft and fraud easier, uh, and what the real goal uh, of these uh, legislators and this legislation is. So when we come back, Raj Dorsami will join us. In the meantime, folks, uh, the products that I choose to promote here at the Stone Zone uh, are very carefully chosen. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a strong supporter of alternative health care. Uh, for years, I have been treated with both acupuncture and uh, therapeutic Chinese herbs and other all-natural supplements. There is one product that I want to talk to you about. It is called Cardio Miracle. Now, Cardio Miracle is a nitric oxide supplement. Uh, there's really a blend here of nitric oxide, a proprietary brand blend of nitric oxide, and then an additional antioxidant blend that includes all of the daily vitamins that a person requires. Nitric oxide is an extraordinarily important and powerful antioxidant that is normally produced in the walls of arteries and veins. But as one gets older, that production drops. Nitric oxide, in this case, in the form of Cardio Miracle, is essential for life and many critical body functions. Let's be specific. Uh, nitric oxide keeps blood pressure and cholesterol levels at healthy levels. It also uh, boosts your anti-inflammatory response. It promotes excellent overall health 
but here's the most important thing. It is both heart healthy and it supports natural energy. I could not possibly put in the hours that I do uh, if I were not taking this great supplement. Now, I'm not a medical doctor, and if you have heart issues or any health issue, I urge you to see a doctor. But if you prophylactically want to take a supplement that supplies 100% of your daily vitamin requirements, as well as promoting immunity uh, and the health of your vascular system, including your heart, a product that I believe you will find gives you new energy, I strongly recommend Cardio Miracle. You can get it by going to cardiomiracle.com, cardiomiracle.com. Uh, please use promo code STONE when you do. You use literally a capful of this mixed in either water or juice twice a day, in the morning and in the evening. I think you will have an immediate positive reaction and experience. Cardio Miracle, folks, check it out. Uh, all right, uh, we're going to move uh, to our guest. Raj Dorasami uh, is with Defend Florida. Defend Florida uh, is uh, an extraordinarily uh, hardworking citizen organization that works for election integrity. Uh, and Raj joins us now in the Stone Zone. Thank you Raj, for having me, Raj. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. You know, a lot of people assume, well, Florida is a safely red state. We have a Republican legislature. We have a Republican governor. What could be safer and more secure, more honest uh, than the elections in the sunshine state of Florida? Uh, I don't believe that. I wrote a very substantial piece, actually, with your assistance, in my substack several months ago because certain reforms put forward by the Republican legislature and signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis, I believed actually made our elections more opaque, uh, less, uh, less uh, 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 transparent, uh, and I think they increased the chances of voter fraud. A terrific piece uh, that I now see talks about certain legislation now pending in the legislature uh, that would make things uh, even worse. Tell us what's going on. So thank you, Roger. I appreciate that. And it seems, Roger, that sadly, Governor DeSantis is still trying to undermine Trump in Florida using the, the Florida trying to pass laws. They have passed here, but they're trying to pass laws that literally criminalize election monitoring by citizens and they're letting non-US citizens to register to vote. And this can only be purposeful neglect of citizenship checks, both at the supervisor of elections offices and at third party voter registration organizations. In fact, Florida lobbyist, David Ramba, who's a well-known figure here in Florida, he works for the Florida supervisor of elections. This is a group that all these supervisors elections belong to. And he also works for Democrats and for anti-Trump Republicans. He is sadly aligned against MAGA to help DeSantis and the Uni Party. And there are other powerful figures in the Florida Senate that are both aiding this anti-MAGA campaign and are shutting down people's voices. It's a sad state of affairs, Roger, and I can say more about that. 
Yeah, please. Uh, I, I, you specifically uh, uh, spoke of House Bill 721 and its Senate counterpart, which would be Senate Bill 562. Uh, tell us what these bills would do uh, and also kind of tell us what what was passed by the legislature in our earlier uh, uh, package of election reform. Yeah, absolutely. And so right now on the screen, you actually see part of House Bill 721, which is currently being fast tracked through the Florida legislation. As you can see on this excerpt here, this legislation has been directed to be fast tracked and it's a bill to criminalize volunteers who challenge the election process or criticize the performance of election staff or lodge a complaint or basically use their free. In fact, an election worker feels that person watching this that shows up at a voting location, if they feel intimidated by you, a member of the public, or if they feel intimidated by a poll watcher, by what you say, by what you wear, then you can be punished with the misdemeanor of the first degree. And that is what House Bill 721 here on the screen addresses. Now, in addition to that, last year, 7350 was passed, and that's what Roger referred to earlier. And in that bill, there were other measures that served to discourage participation by volunteers in the process. And this particular language that I just referred to about intimidation was originally in that bill. And it was so egregious that it was thrown out. This year, in 2024, it's being reintroduced into this bill and fast-tracked. And, and Roger, here is the breaking news for you. As we were working on election bills, we noticed similar election bills, which weaponized government against its people, being passed in Arizona. And in, in addition to Arizona, also in Virginia, and in fact, in Virginia, the flavor of the bill there is you, the regular citizen, could be convicted of a hate crime simply by exercising your First Amendment right to exercise free speech. So this is a coordinated campaign across multiple states. In fact, 23 other states are weaponizing state government against their constituents. And this, as your audience will know, is how countries like Venezuela devolved so rapidly. It's not right. And while the Biden economy continues to hurt our citizens, the citizens have to fight just to make a living. Our, I hate to say it, but our, some of our crap weasel legislators are literally taking away our freedoms. And this is extremely troubling and the actions that we need to have our citizens audience take. Raj, there is, uh, of course, uh, in Florida, the Florida State Association uh, of Election Supervisors. Uh, they tried very hard to give you the impression that that is some kind of official governmental body. But of course, it's not. It's a private organization. Uh, and they seem, uh, above all, to be opposed to transparency. They don't want anyone like citizens looking at the process to see if it's a fair, honest, uh, and obviously necessarily transparent process. Uh, this has been particularly true in the area of cleaning the voter lists. No, 
we're not trying to disenfranchise any legitimate voter who actually exists. But many people outside of Florida find this hard to believe. The voter rolls in Florida, generally speaking, are not clean. Uh, and the boards of elections resist the efforts uh, to clean them. Is this not accurate? point you just brought up, and it's, it ties perfectly to what we've been talking about just a few minutes ago. So in Florida, two years ago, Senate Bill 524 was passed, primarily because the voice of the citizens were heard. And in that bill, a lot of progress was made for cleaning up the voter rolls. However, it is not complete yet, and some counties do better and so worse when it comes to cleaning the voter rolls. In addition to cleaning the voter rolls, which is what you mentioned, Roger, there's the other aspects, over 200 risks actually have been identified by a work group that represents professionals from various industries that are all focused on transparency, cybersecurity, and workflow management. That work group identified 200 risks. Those risks have been brought to the attention of the legislators. And that kind of work is what these bills will stifle. So. On the voter rolls, to answer your question, there's been progress. Some counties are doing a better job than others. Roger, like you always are promoting and telling people, as are we, it is up to the voice of the people to keep government in check. Now, I want to tie that back to that election bill that I just mentioned earlier, HB 721, that we referred to. That bill will silence the work that has been done. So, for example, in the past few months, we have people being very vocal about voter rolls and the fact that voter rolls need to be cleaned up. When this bell passes, and it likely will, unless the audience takes some action, then people who voice those concerns could be intimidating election workers and could be criminalized. Now, this is the most egregious part because even though this is all bad, Roger, there's even a, there's a problem that's even worse. And that problem relates to the fact that there are already existing laws on the books that protect election workers and law enforcement and people participating in the election process. You can see it on the screen right here. So if there are existing laws already in place, then this new legislation, the voice of the people, is completely unnecessary. And so what we're dealing with right now as a net result of all of this is there is a concerted effort to create a problem when there isn't one. Now, I wanna mention one other thing relative to that particular topic, Roger, and this is this. The Office of Election Crimes and Security just released a 336-page report covering election activity from 2022 to 2023. And Roger, do you know how many cases of intimidation or harassment or wrongdoings against election workers are documented in this report? Zero, absolutely zero. So these unneeded laws are literally designed to intimidate election workers and volunteers. What if a volunteer sees something that's valid, a real issue, and they may want to bring it up, like the voter rolls that you brought up earlier? Now they will be afraid to do it, and that is exactly what happened with January 6th. People are now afraid to protest, and it's what's trying to be done right here, right now in, in the state of Florida. So I, I want to give some specific uh, direction, if I may, to your audience, because not only do we audience needs to be aware of this so that they can strengthen our allies 
and persuade the bad actors, but they need to know how to find the bad actors in their state who are at best ignorant or at worst pretending to be ignorant. Now in Florida, the man responsible for this is Senator Burgess. He is in charge of the most powerful committee in the Florida Senate that deals with ethics and elections. He has not allowed any of the pro, pro MAGA good bills to go through and is fast tracking this intimidation and harassment bill that's silencing the Here is a test, Roger, in my view that, 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 that I wanted to get your, your thoughts on as well. This is a test for Governor DeSantis. Will he veto this bill or will he let it pass? Because you and I and the audience knows that he can put a stop to this bill that silences the voice of dissent immediately by just saying that he'll veto it. It's all written out. It's quite clear. He can see the massive concern from the people in Florida. He now has a measurable performance parameter to see if he's ready for 2028. Yeah, it's disturbing to me, Raj, that bills addressing uh, absentee ballot chain of custody, uh, voter roll cleanup, uh, and uh, the, the basic issue of citizenship uh, are not being scheduled for hearings or for legislative action. The truth is, here in Florida, the vast majority of new registrants are coming through the Department of Motor Vehicles. Now, I myself, to determine what would happen if I sought to register there, learned firsthand that at no time when you register at a DMV are you asked for any proof of citizenship. You can use, not only, uh, obviously you can use a driver's license, but you can actually use a homeowner's association card to establish that you're a resident of Florida. Of course, the fact that you're a resident of Florida does not mean that you're a U.S. citizen uh, entitled to vote in either federal or, in this case, state elections. Uh, Troy, your thoughts. Well, and I just had a question for Raj because uh, we I, I've looked into the uh, election administrators around the state, and one thing I noticed is there's a there's a super uh, a, a large, very large pack called uh, Florida Voters in Charge, and if you look at what they've done around the state, they've pumped money into each county's uh, election supervisor. So I just like want to get your thoughts on that. What what are your what are your thoughts on these uh, packs putting lots of money into election administration, and what does that exactly mean? Yeah, thank you for that. So I'm not familiar with that exact pack, but the phenomenon that you described is something that we are familiar with. And so money moves things. This is why people on our side have got to raise their voices. So let's talk about the mechanics of that. One of the people that are trying to push this intimidation bill that I mentioned earlier is the supervisor election in West Palm Beach. And this lady is vocal about needing to, to sign people because they're harassing the, the uh, election workers. This very lady has taken $6 million in through Zuckerbucks, which is another form of money that goes through the system. And so we can see that money moves the needle and these packs that you referred to are a big part of it. Now, I think most of the folks here who may not have known about that specific pack are aware of this. So. The countermeasure, Troy, in, in our view, in the work that we do, is while we may not and do not have that kind of money, what we do have are people. And so this is where the 
people that are, if, if you want that, you can go to defendflorida.org. There's lots of free training there. But one way or the other, you have to organize yourself so that when you are working with your supervisor election, you stop being ignored. This is not mysterious. This is not complicated. We're just looking for transparency. So money packs are part of the legal way that you can donate. Packs are manipulated to push an agenda. You, my friends that are watching this, have got to raise your voice so that you can be the countermeasure to that pack. Now, you, you brought up, obviously, the, 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 the mouth of the packs. You brought up the fact that Bill 7350 uh, had, uh, had uh, bad processes that you described earlier. I want to draw your attention to what's happening right now with regard to additional risks. And this slide over here that you can see is just an example of how when that task group went through the largest counties in the state of Florida and they found over 200 risks associated with the election process, the more that you can acquaint yourself with that and the more you can ask intelligent questions, the more it will be. So for example, one of the risks that we found is ballots are collected, especially with mail-in ballots, early voting ballots, going and voting at a remote location. When those ballots are collected, no one is actually taking a piece of paper and identifying how many ballots were captured, how many ballots were then delivered to the main office. You can see here an exact piece of paper. This is not made up. This is one of the forms that are being used right now in one of the largest counties in the state of Florida. And you can see massive risk here. So just to put that in perspective, 100 ballots could have been dropped off at an early voting location. By the time those 100 ballots are transported to the, uh, the supervisor elections office, there's no oversight. Other pieces of paper could have been, pieces of paper could be removed. The process is quite porous. I want to draw attention to one other aspect, just for the folks that may be watching this, that may not have an understanding of the election process in detail, but you've operated a business. In every other industry, health, insurance, cyber, Department of Defense, technology, in all of those industries, when vendors are part of the process, as they are in our in election process, those vendors are required already to provide authentication, meet certification, fill out documentation whenever they change any part of the solution that they provide. It's already part of the process this is a process defined by the AICPA, the Association of the AICPA, which is an organization that governs public accounting. We already know how to manage complex processes with complete transparency. But when you look at the election process, none of those measures are in place. So when it comes to the uh, PAC that you just referred to, when it comes to the, the problems that last year's bill introduced, this all comes down to my friends, you, the people watching, connecting with your legislators, with your supervisor's election. And if you don't know how to do it, website to get from that. And if you're in Florida, we implore you to please make these concerns known to Senator Burgess here in the state of Florida. Uh, you raise a, an excellent point, Raj, which of course, uh, the definition of harassment is pretty broad. I know a person uh, in Palm Beach who has posed uh, the same question twice to uh, the uh, woman who's the supervisor of the Board of Elections, who, by the way, is an appointee of Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, only to be physically removed from a hearing uh, by the 
Palm Beach Sheriff's Office. Uh, in other words, uh, even though the Constitution gives you an absolute right to ask the government for redress of your grievances, if you ask the same inconvenient question and you don't get an answer the first time, and then you ask that question a second time, that could be deemed as quote-unquote harassment. Uh, in the earlier package of reforms signed by Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, it was striking to me uh, that it removed every citizen's access to voter data, uh, and in fact only a board member, a member of the Board of Elections, has the authority to question the outcome of an election. I actually think that's unconstitutional. So uh, those who live in Florida uh, and think that our elections here uh, are pristine, uh, the gold standard, as Governor DeSantis has told us, well, Raj Dorsami has just told you that is not the case, uh, and uh, citizen action is necessary. Go to the defendflorida.org website, that's defendflorida.org, uh, and you can learn more. Uh, Raj, final thoughts? Thank you, Roger. Final thought here, and this is something for you, the viewers, to be looking for. In the United States, we have a beautiful system that was envisioned by our founding fathers. It's got the separation of duties. You got the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judiciary branch. In our state of Florida, our legislators have told us when we implored them to move the good legislation, they told us point blank, if the Secretary of State, which, as you just heard from Roger, is an appointee of the Governor DeSantis, if he isn't blessing this, we are not going to do and cannot do anything about it. In the state of Florida, and more than likely in your state, the executive has co-opted the branch. This, in my view, I'm not an attorney, it seems very unconstitutional, and this behavior cannot be allowed. So if you are hearing that kind of messaging from your legislators, Number one, you need to be looking at who, who can run for office. And that's a whole nother conversation of you replacing people that don't have strength in your own state. But the important thing that you can do immediately is challenge your legislators. Please implore them that their job is to listen to their constituents and not be hijacked by the executive branch. And in Florida, I want to leave, leave you with the executive branch that is coded the legislative process here in the state, both in the House and the Senate, that same department is using standards, get ready for this, standards for operations, for security, for safety, for conduct, workflow. They're using standards from the year 2005. We have AI now, we have foreign threats, we have so much information on the cloud, and they're using information from 2005. So the situation requires and needs your participation, please join the training, get the training. It's come free. You don't have to be a member of our organization. It's all available at defendflorida.org. Or you can also text DEFEND to 91776. Thank you, Roger. I so appreciate the opportunity to share this with your, with your audience. Thank you uh, very much, Raj uh, Dorasami uh, of Defend Florida. Uh, folks, again, uh, don't think just because the Republicans won the last statewide election in Florida, that Florida is a reliably a ruby red state or that our election processes are pristine. They uh, are not. 
Uh, Troy, uh, yesterday, uh, late yesterday, there was breaking news, which of which I am extremely suspicious. Suddenly, it is announced uh, that uh, there is some space-based uh, threat to the United States uh, by Russia, uh, but uh, we can't get too specific about what that actually is. We broke into all of the network news outlets to announce it. Uh, pardon me if I'm uh, skeptical. Oh, here's uh, Jake Sullivan. I think we've got a short video. Before you came out, Congressman Mike Turner issued a statement saying that President Biden should declassify intelligence related to a, quote, serious national security threat. Um, what can you say about the threat and what the administration plans to do? So first, I reached out uh, earlier this week to the Gang of Eight uh, to offer myself for a, up for a personal briefing to the Gang of Eight. And in fact, we scheduled a briefing for the four House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow. Uh, that's been on the books. So I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals tomorrow. That's his choice to do that. All I can tell you is that I'm focused on going to see him, sit with him, as well as the other House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow. And I'm not in a position to say anything further from this podium at this time, other than to make the broad point that this administration has gone further uh, and in more creative, more strategic ways, dealt with the declassi declassification of intelligence in the national interest of the United States than any administration in history. Uh, so you definitely are not going to find an unwillingness to do that when it's in our national security interest to do so. At the same time, we, of course, have to continue to prioritize and focus very much on the issue of sources and methods. We'll do that. Ultimately, these are decisions for the president to make. But in the meantime, the most important thing is we have the opportunity to sit in a classified setting and have the kind of conversation uh, with the House intelligence leadership that I, in fact, had scheduled before uh, Congressman Turner went out today. Yeah. But, but just to be clear, uh, Turner calls this an urgent matter with regard to a destabilizing foreign military capability. Are you aware that there is an emerging serious threat here that he's referring to? Again, I'll just say that I personally reached out to the Gang of Eight. It is uh, Pardon me if my BS detector has just gone off. By the way, Jake Sullivan, up to his keister in the Russian collusion hoax, according to the final formal report, uh, of John Durham actively involved in pushing the idea that a Russian bank had a server within Trump Tower, uh, a lie that he knew was a lie, but he uh, agreed to push out on the media. Why he has never been prosecuted for his many crimes, uh, I really don't know. But it's not coincidental uh, that with the impact of the uh, uh, interview between Tucker Carlson uh, and Vladimir Putin, which many are still digesting, and the extraordinary bad news uh, that the special counsel appointed by Merrick Garland, get this carefully, yes, found that Joe Biden willfully violated the law with the retention of top secret and classified documents, that this administration is desperate to get those things off the front page. What would be better than some really scary but extremely unspecified space-based Russian assault on America. Pardon me if I'm skeptical. Now, I have a high regard for Congressman Turner, but I wonder whether Turner isn't now 
calling their bluff. Uh, we are, we've got one minute to go. You get the final word, Troy. Roger, you said it all there. Uh, Tucker Carlson, a Vladimir Putin interview uh, was a, was a something about truth. And, and also the, what led up to that exactly with the uh, FBI, the CIA trying to prevent Tucker Carlson from interviewing. I think uh, it's gotten to the point in my mind now when our people talk about Russia, I understand that they're lying. And I think that most American people are there as well. Um, it, it's, it's a really sad situation, but as you said, BS detector going off because uh, this is the perfect distraction for them right now. All right. I'm afraid we have to leave it there. I'm Roger Stone. He's Troy Smith. This has been The Stone Zone. God bless you and Godspeed.